Chapter Twenty of the Nest of the Sparrowhawk by Emma Orksey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. My Lord Protector's Patrol. Alone, Sir Marmaduke de Chavas had taken no part in the confused turmoil which raged around the personalities of Seagrave and richard lambert from the moment that he had with studied callousness turned his back on his erstwhile protege he had held aloof from the crowd which had congregated around the two young men he saw before him the complete success of his nefarious plan which had originated in the active brain of editha but had been perfected in his own of heaping dire and lasting disgrace on the man who had become troublesome and interfering of late who was a serious danger to his more important schemes after the fracas of this night richard lambert forsooth could never show his face within two hundred miles of london the ugly story of his having cheated at cards and been publicly branded as a liar and a thief by a party of gentlemen would of a surety penetrate even within the fastnesses of thanet so far everything was for the best nay it might be better still for seagrave enraged and maddened at his losses might succeed in getting lambert imprisoned for stealing and cheating even at the cost of his own condemnation to a fine for gambling the endicotts had done their part well the man especially with his wide cuffs and his quick movements no one there present could have the slightest doubt but that lambert was guilty satisfied therefore that all had gone according to his own wishes sir marmaduke withdrew from further conflict or argument with the unfortunate young man whom he had so deliberately and so hopelessly ruined and because he thus kept aloof his ears were not so completely filled with the din nor his mind so wholly engrossed by the hand-to-hand -hand struggle between the two young men that he did not perceive that other sound which in spite of barred windows and drawn curtains came up from the street below at first he had only listened carelessly to the measured tramp but the cry of halt issuing from immediately beneath the windows caused his cheeks to blanch and his muscles to stiffen with a sudden sense of fear he cast a rapid glance all around seagrave and lambert both flushed and panting were forcibly held apart sir marmaduke noted with a grim smile that the latter was obviously the centre of a hostile group whilst seagrave was surrounded by a knot of sympathizers who were striving outwardly to pacify him whilst in reality urging him on through their unbridled vituperations directed against the other man the noise of arguments of shrill voices 
of admonitions and violent abuse had in no sense abated over the sea of excited faces sir marmaduke caught the wide-open terrified eyes of aditha de chavas she too had heard he beckoned to her across the room with a slight gesture of the hand and she obeyed the silent call as quickly as she dared working her way round to him without arousing the attention of the crowd do not lose your head he whispered as soon as she was near him and seeing the wild terror expressed in every line of her face slip into the next room and leave the door ajar do this as quietly as may be now at once then wait there until i come again she obeyed him silently and swiftly for she knew what that cry of halt meant uttered at the door of her house she had heard it even as sir marmaduke had done and after it the peremptory knocks the loud call the word of command followed by the sound of an odd and supplicating voice entering a feeble protest she knew what all that meant and she was afraid as soon as sir marmaduke saw that she had done just as he had ordered he deliberately joined the noisy groups which were congregated around seagrave and lambert he pushed his way forward and anon stood face to face with the young man on whom he had just wreaked such an irreparable wrong not a thought of compunction or remorse rose in his mind as he looked down at the handsome flushed face quite calm and set outwardly in spite of the terrible agony raging within heart and mind lambert he said gruffly listen to me your conduct hath been most unseemly mistress endicott has for my sake already shown you much kindness and forbearance had she acted as she had the right to do she would have had you kicked out of the house by her servants in your own interests now i should advise you to follow me quietly out of the house but this suggestion raised a hot protest on the part of all the spectators he shall not go declared seagrave violently not without leaving behind him what he has deliberately stolen commented endicott raising his oily voice above the din lambert had waited patiently whilst his employer spoke the last remnant of that original sense of deference and of gratitude caused him to hold himself in check lest he should strike that treacherous coward in the face sir marmaduke's callousness in the face of his peril and unmerited disgrace had struck lambert with an overwhelming feeling of disappointment and loneliness but his cruel insults now quashed despair and roused dormant indignation to fever pitch one look at sir marmaduke's sneering face had told him not only that he could expect no help from the man who 
by all the laws of honour should have stood by him in his helplessness but that he was the fount and source the instigator of the terrible wrong and injustice which was about to land an innocent man in the veriest abyss of humiliation and irretrievable disgrace and so this was your doing sir marmaduke de chavas he said looking his triumphant enemy boldly in the face even whilst compelling silent attention from those who were heaping opprobrious epithets upon him you enticed me here you persuaded me to play then you tried to rob me of mine honour of my good name the only valuable assets which i possess hell and all its devils alone know why you did this thing but i swear before god that your hideous crime shall not remain unpunished silence commanded sir marmaduke who was the first to perceive the strange almost supernatural effect produced on all those present by the young man's earnestness his impressive calm seagrave himself stood silent and abashed whilst every one listened unconsciously awed by that unmistakable note of righteousness which somehow rang through lambert's voice nay but i'll not be silent quoth richard unperturbed i have been condemned and i have the right to speak you have disgraced me and i have the right to defend mine honour by protesting mine innocence and now i will leave this house he said loudly and firmly for it is accursed and infamous but god is my witness that i leave it without a stain upon my soul he pointed to the fateful table whereon a pile of gold lay scattered in an untidy heap with the tiny leather wallet containing his five guineas conspicuously in its mists there lies the money he said speaking directly to seagrave take it sir for i had never the intention to touch a penny of it this i swear by all that i hold most sacred take it without fear or remorse even though you thought such evil things of me and let him who still thinks me a thief repeat it now to my face an he dare even as the last of his loudly uttered words resounded through the room there was a loud knock at the door and a peremptory voice commanded open in the name of his highness the lord protector of england in the dead silence that followed the buzz of a fly the spluttering of wax candles could be distinctly heard in a moment with the sound of that peremptory call outside tumultuous passions seemed to sink to rest every cheek paled and masculine hands instinctively sought the handles of swords whilst lace-handkerchiefs were hastily pressed to trembling lips in order to smother the cry of terror which had risen to feminine throats open in the name of his highness the lord protector of england mistress endicott was the colour of wax her husband was gripping her wrist with a clutch of steel trying through the administration 
of physical pain to keep alive her presence of mind and for the third time came the loud summons open in the name of his highness the lord protector of england still that deathly silence in the room broken only now by the firm step of endicott who went to open the door resistance would have been worse than useless the door would have yielded at the first blow there was a wailing smothered cry from a dozen terrified throats and a general rush for the inner room but this door was now bolted and barred sir marmaduke unperceived had slipped quickly within even whilst every one held his breath in the first moment of paralyzed terror had there been time there would doubtless have ensued a violent attack against that locked door but already a man in leather doublet and wearing a steel cap and collar had peremptorily pushed endicott aside who was making a futile effort to bar the way after he had opened the door this man now advanced into the centre of the room whilst a couple of soldierly-looking stalwart fellows remained at attention on the threshold let no one attempt to leave this room he commanded here brayden he added turning back to his men take pia with you and search that second room there then seize all those cards and dice and also that money it was not likely that these hot-headed cavaliers would submit thus quietly to an arbitrary act of confiscation and of arrest hardly were the last words out of the man's mouth than a dozen blades flashed out of their scabbards the women screamed and like so many frightened hens ran into the corner of the room furthest out of reach of my lord protector's police patrol the men immediately forming a bulwark in front of them the whole thing was not very heroic perhaps a few idlers caught in an illicit act and under threat of arrest the consequences of a truth would not be vastly severe for the frequenters of this secret club fines mayhap which most of those present could ill afford to pay and at worst a night's detention in one of those horrible wooden constructions which had lately been erected on the river-bank for the express purpose of causing sundry lordly offenders to pass an uncomfortable night these were days of forcible levellings and my lord who had contravened old noll's laws against swearing and gambling fared not one whit better than the tramp who had purloined a leg of mutton from an eating-house nay in a measure my lord fared a good deal worse for he looked upon his own detention through the regicide usurper's orders as an indignity to himself hence the reason why in this same house wherein a few idle scions of noble houses indulged in their favourite pastime when orders rang out in the name of his highness swords jumped out of their sheaths and resistance was offered out of all proportion to the threat 
the man who seemed to be the captain of the patrol smiled somewhat grimly when he saw himself confronted by this phalanx of gentlemanly weapons he was a tall burly fellow broad of shoulder and well looking in his uniform of red with yellow facings his round bullet-shaped head covered by the round steel cap was suggestive of obstinacy even of determination he eyed the flushed and excited throng with some amusement not wholly unmixed with contempt oh he knew some of the faces well enough by sight for he had originally served in the train-bands of london and had oft seen my lord walterton for instance conspicuous at every entertainment now pronounced illicit by his highness and sir anthony bridport a constant frequenter at exeter house and young lord nathmire the son of the judge he also had certainly seen young seagrave before this whose father had been a member of the long parliament the only face that was totally strange to him was that of the youngster in the dark suit of grogram who stood somewhat aloof from the irate crowd and seemed to be viewing the scene with astonishment rather than with alarm lord walterton flushed with wine more than anger constituted himself the spokesman of the party who are you he asked somewhat unsteadily and what do you want my name is gunning replied the man curtly captain commanding his highness's police what i want is that you gentlemen offer no resistance but come with me quietly to answer on the morrow before judge perry a charge of contravening the laws against betting and gambling a ribald and prolonged laugh greeted this brief announcement and some twenty pairs of gentlemanly shoulders were shrugged in token of derision hark at the man quoth sir james overbury lightly methinks gentlemen that our wisest course would be to put up our swords and to throw the fellows downstairs what say you ay ay came in cheerful accents from the defiant little group out with you fellow we've no time to waste in bandying words with ye said walterton with the tone of one accustomed to see the churl ever cringe before the lord and let one of thy myrmidons touch a thing in this room if he dare the young cavalier was standing somewhat in advance of his friends having stepped forward in order to emphasize the peremptoriness of his words the women were still in the background well protected by a phalanx of resolute defenders who encouraged by the captain's silence and walterton's haughty attitude were prepared to force the patrol of police to beat a hasty retreat endicott and his wife had seemed to think it prudent to keep well out of sight the former having yielded to gunning's advance had discreetly retired amongst the petticoats no one least of all walterton who remained the acknowledged leader of the little party of gamesters had any idea of the numerical strength of the patrol 
whose interference with gentlemanly pastimes was unwarrantable and passing insolent in the gloom on the landing beyond a knot of men could only be vaguely discerned captain gunning and his lieutenant Braden had alone advanced into the room but now apparently gunning gave some sign which Braden then interpreted to the men outside the sign itself must have been very slight for none of the cavaliers perceived it certainly no actual word of command had been spoken but the next moment within thirty seconds of walterton's defiant speech the room itself the doorway and apparently the landing and staircase too were filled with men each one attired in scarlet and yellow all wearing leather doublets and steel caps and all armed with musketoons which they were even now pointing straight at the serried ranks of the surprised and wholly unprepared gamesters i would fain not give an order to fire said captain gunning curtly and if you gentlemen will follow me quietly there need be no bloodshed it may be somewhat unromantic but it is certainly prudent to listen at times to the dictates of common sense and one of wisdom's most cogent axioms is undoubtedly that it is useless to stand up before a volley of musketry at a range of less than twelve feet unless a heroic death is in contemplation it was certainly very humiliating to be ordered about by a close-cropped puritan who spoke in nasal tones and whose father probably had mended boots or killed pigs in his day but the persuasion of twenty-four musketoons whose muzzles pointed collectively in one direction was bound in the name of common sense to prevail ultimately of a truth none of these gentlemen who were now content to oppose a comprehensive vocabulary of english and french oaths to the brand-new weapons of my lord protector's police were cowards in any sense of the word less than a decade ago they had proved their mettle not only sword in hand but in the face of the many privations sorrows and humiliations consequent on the failure of their cause and the defeat and martyrdom of their king there was therefore nothing mean or pusillanimous in their attitude when having exhausted their vocabulary of oaths and still seeing before them the muzzles of four-and-twenty musketoons pointed straight at them they one after another dropped their sword-points and turned to read in each other's faces uniform desire to surrender to force majeure the captain watched them impassive and silent until the moment when he too could discern in the sullen looks cast at him by some twenty pairs of eyes that these elegant gentlemen had conquered their impulse to hot-headed resistance but the four-and-twenty musketoons were still levelled nor did the round-headed captain give the order to lower the firearms i can release most of you gentlemen on parole he said 
and you'll surrender your swords to me you may go home this night under promise to attend the court to-morrow morning Braden, in the meantime had gone to the inner door and finding it locked had ordered his companion to break it open it yielded to the first blow dealt with a vigorous shoulder the lieutenant went into the room but finding it empty he returned and soon was busy in collecting the various pieces de convictions which would go to substantiate the charges of gambling and betting against these noble gentlemen no resistance now was offered and after a slight moment of hesitation and a brief consultation twixt the more prominent cavaliers there present lord walterton stepped forward and having unbuckled his sword threw it with no small measure of arrogance and disdain at the feet of captain gunning his example was followed by all his friends gunning with arms folded across his chest watching the proceeding in silence when endicott stood before him however he said curtly not you i think meseems i know you too well fine sir to release you on parole Braden, he added turning to his lieutenant have this man duly guarded and conveyed to queen's head alley to-night then as endicott tried to protest and gunning gave a sharp order for his immediate removal seagrave pushed his way forward he wore no sword and like lambert he had stood aloof throughout this brief scene of turbulent yet futile resistance sullen silent and burning with a desire for revenge against the man who had turned the current of his luck and brought him back to that abyss of despair whence he now knew there could be no release captain he said firmly though i wear no sword i am at one with all these gentlemen and i accept my release on parole to-morrow i will answer for my offence of playing cards which apparently is an illicit pastime i am one of the pigeons who have been plucked in this house by that gentleman queried gunning with a grim smile and nodding over his shoulder in the direction where endicott was being led away by a couple of armed men no not by him replied seagrave boldly with a somewhat theatrical gesture he pointed to lambert who more of a spectator than a participant in the scene had been standing mutely by outside the defiant group absorbed in his own misery wondering what effect the present unforeseen juncture would have on his future chances of rehabilitating himself he was also vaguely wondering what had become of sir marmaduke and mistress de chavasse but now seagrave's voice was raised and once more lambert found himself the cynosure of a number of hostile glances there stands the man who has robbed us all said seagrave wildly and now he has heaped disgrace upon us upon me and mine curse him curse him i say he continued whilst all the pent-up fury forcibly kept in check all this while 
by the advent of the police now once more found vent in loud vituperation and almost maniacal expressions of rage liar cheat look at him captain there stands the man who must bear the full brunt of the punishment for he is the decoy he is the thief the pillory for him the pillory the lash the brand curse him curse him the thief he was surrounded and forcibly silenced the foam had risen to his lips impotent fury and agonized despair had momentarily clouded his brain lambert tried to speak but the captain unwilling to prolong a conflict over which he was powerless to arbitrate gave a sign to Braden, and anon the two young men were led away in the wake of endicott the others on giving their word that they would appear before the court on the morrow and answer to the charge preferred against them were presently allowed to walk out of the room in single file between a double row of soldiers whose musketoons were still unpleasantly conspicuous thus they passed out one by one across the passage and down the dark staircase the door below they found was also guarded as well as the passage and the archway giving on the street here they were permitted to collect or disperse at will the ladies however had not been allowed to participate in the order for release gunning knew most of them by sight they were worthy neither of consideration nor respect paid satellites of mistress endicott's employed to keep up the good spirits of that lady's clientele the soldiers drove them all together before them in a compact shrinking and screaming group then the word of command was given the soldiers stood at attention turned and finally marched out of the room with their prisoners gunning being the last to leave he locked the door behind him and in the wake of his men presently wended his way down the tortuous staircase once more the measured tramp was heard reverberating through the house the cry of attention of quick march echoed beneath the passage and the tumble-down archway and anon the last of these ominous sounds died away down the dismal street in the direction of the river and in one of the attics at the top of the now silent and lonely house in bath street lately the scene of so much gaiety and joy of such turmoil of passions and intensity of despair two figures a man and a woman crouched together in a dark corner listening for the last dying echo of that measured tramp End of chapter 20